As usual, everything in the spiritual life only makes sense if understood in the context of creation. And in this case, what I'm referring to is that when God created everything, He created them male and female. And part of the purpose of this was that God was designing people to live in community. Because when he created Adam, he could have said, Adam's good enough, Adam should be satisfied with me, right? And that's all he needs. I will teach him how to just be filled with me and that's it. But instead, he actually said, it is not good for Adam to be alone, right? And then created for him Eve, a help worthy of him, equal to him. And so the context of community was family from day one. Because then everything that proceeded out of it came out of the family. So there was always a concept of belonging to one another. Because there wasn't one group that God created in one place and another group he created somewhere else and told them just figure out how to interact. He made them all of the same seed, even from the same person, coming out of, out of Adam. So that we would always realize our need for one another. Right? Even in the monastic communities, even in monastic life, the monks live in community with one another. And if a monk leaves to be a hermit, he's understood to be leaving to be a hermit for the sake of the whole church, not for his own self, and not because he sees himself as not needing um, the rest of the community. And I'm bringing this up because the Gospel today talks about our duties towards our friends. Right? This is the main thing that I want to meditate on today is that these were a group of people who cared so deeply about their friend when they saw him spiritually and physically in danger, more physically than spiritually in, in their eyes. And so they decided that they were going to take action about it. But before we even get to the action part, I just want to discuss our roles and friendships and about what was going on. The first thing to ask is whether or not your friendships that you have are spiritual or, or, or secular, sorry. What is the context or goal of your relationship? Okay, because if you don't have one, then you won't know what you're allowed to do or say or not say. For example, you can have school friends, you have work friends, you have church friends, you have Egyptian friends, you might have Eritrean friends. What is the context? What is it that you think binds your friendship together? Because if you don't know the context of your friendship, then you won't know what you're allowed to say or not say, right? If the context of, of, of your friend is, oh no, this is my, my gym friend, right? Well then if that gym friend is doing something that is dangerous for him or herself, that has nothing to do with the gym, do you have any right to speak to them, right? On what basis do you get to say it? So if you don't know what it is, then you can't say much. But our friendships are supposed to be spiritual, right? This is why we read earlier in the epistles. Now the natural person does not receive the things of God's spirit, for they are foolishness to him. And such a person cannot know these things because they are spiritually discerned. On the other hand, the spiritual person discerns all things and is not subject to mere human opinions. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, right? What we're being told here is that the context of ours is spiritual. To a non-spiritual person, a lot of what we say or a lot of what we think is ridiculous, 
right? If you were to say to someone, you know, you should abstain from this, you should, you shouldn't maybe cuss, maybe this isn't a good idea. It's foolishness, right? Because it's not spiritually minded. So we have to first start off with the context of our relationship, because if you don't have a goal, you have no basis for solving a dispute. For example, within a marriage, right? If it's not, if the common basis is not Christ, then the question needs to be asked, how are we going to resolve a conflict when the conflict happens? Because if there's not an objective right outside of both of us, then it's just a matter of opinion, right? And if it's a matter of opinion, then whose opinion is going to prevail? It's just going to be a waiting game until somebody can't take it anymore and says, I'm going to walk out on this. Whereas if there's an objective goal in Christ, right, if we believe that he is the creator, then he sets the objective goals, then we have something that is a reference to come back to. Same thing with your friends, right? If you, if you think that something's wrong, how do you say it? If they don't have a common belief, if there's not a common context, then you're, you're going to be perceived as just throwing out a personal opinion. So what's your reference? If you're, if you're spiritual, then we're not supposed to have a secular reference, which is why St. Paul said in today's epistle, yet it is a wisdom not of this world, nor of the rulers of this world who are coming to nothing. That is not the wisdom on which we base our standards. The second then is that if the foundation of your relationship is one that is spiritual, do you care about the spiritual well-being of your friends? Okay, do you know what the spiritual sicknesses are? Because to us, sins are the diseases of the spirit, right? Whether it's avarice, envy, gluttony, lust, pride, laziness, anger, all these things, these are diseases, right? These are spiritual diseases. And if you don't know right from wrong, then how can you help your friends? And how can you properly care for your friends? Right? Because if you don't know, you can be inadvertently helping them get more sick and in the process getting yourself more sick. Right? Or you yourself might be sick and making others sick. Friendships often start off right and then go wrong. I know a youth who was ridiculed by his church friends and so he was petrified to tell his friends that he couldn't chill with them on a Friday night because he was going to serve. Right? So this is this is within a this is in a group of, of church friends. Right? I've met Christians who say they ought to cuss because the rest of the group will think that he's a goody goody that he doesn't cuss like the rest of them, that he's judging them. Or people who won't fast within a group and say, I didn't want to be the only one fasting. And so out of love, I decided to break my fast, right? So they wouldn't think that I was judging them, right, for, for me being the one who doesn't fast. Or people who don't give their opinion when asked of them an opinion within a group because they think they'll look super righteous or they're afraid how it will be perceived. And so the end consequence of this is that I'll see groups, I've seen this many times, groups of Christians who started off praying Vespers together who are now getting wasted together or smoking shisha together. That same group that was doing that is now in a whole other place. This is a sign that your reference and your standard is not spiritual. 
It is not the gospel. And so it didn't last because it wasn't where you started. People start off morally and go wrong, right? And this isn't just for youth, it's for adults too. There might be a pharmacist, right, who decides it's okay to start billing falsely, or physicians. There might be friends that will copy them instead of taking a moral stance, right, of saying, yeah, why not, you know, they take money from you here, you may as well recover money here, right, is, is that once you stray from that moral compass, right, then things begin to fall. But sin debilitates. This guy was sick, okay, and that means that the whole group is going to have less of a good time because he was sick, right? It wasn't just him that was going to have less of a good time. Unless the guys ditch him, right? They could ditch him and say, well, now that you're sick, we don't need you, right? Which will show you even more how much they value you. If they ditch you when you're sick, it means you were never valued. It means it wasn't about a common goal that was permanent. It was about something that was advantageous. It was for personal advantage that a person was, was friends. And what ends up happening as you start to get sick, or is that the group starts to get sick, is that you start to forget what health feels like because you're losing it. And so your reality, your standard of knowledge becomes disease, not health. Right? You get used to being sick, but you don't even have a memory of what it's like to be healthy. Right? And you start to measure things based off of sick, a sick state instead of a healthy state. It's like saying to someone, you know what, it's okay to be injured. It is okay to be injured, but we should be pursuing recovery, right? It's not, it's not sufficient for us to say, oh, cool, you have a broken arm? I had one too, and just leave it, right? You, you need to set the bone, you need to go through that if you want it to be recovered. And the sickness of one affects the whole, right? That old adage, right, one apple can, can ruin the whole thing, it's, 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 it's a real thing, it's not just a, a saying. It really does happen. If you have one bad apple, it really does ruin the whole entire thing. If one person is more selfish, again, these sins, right, these diseases, more people are going to become selfish in defense, right? If Imagine if you're in a group and you eat together every day and there's one guy who the minute the food is out grabs half of it and then 10 people have to split the rest. The rest are going to very quickly learn, I need to shove my hand in as fast as I can and take as much as I can before that guy takes it, right? We, we start having sinful responses because somebody has been sinful. We're going to end up being sinful in response because someone might say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take the virtuous way and I will wait till the end and finds no food and after three days says, apparently the virtuous way means I'm going to die of starvation, therefore I must survive, I'm going to grab the food. Right? But this is what happens when people are sick, right? is that the, the sickness of one affects everybody. If one person is sarcastic, okay, people are going to be sarcastic in return, or defensive, or they're not going to open up when they need to open up because they're afraid to open up because someone is putting them down. Right? We need to be aware of how we speak. If someone is full of anger, others around that person will be intimidated and won't speak freely, or they'll blow up too. Right, that the only way of, of communicating becomes to just yell all the time, right? Which is which is not a very healthy way of communicating. So if someone is one extreme, others will either do the other extreme or take his extreme, right? That's that's typically the reaction. 
That's if they don't care about right and wrong objectively. So then the question is, do you care or do to do something about the illnesses of members of your group? Or are you an obstacle or are you the one who's causing the disease? We read earlier in the, the gospel from actually of last evening, Simon's mother-in-law was afflicted with a great fever and they begged him for her. Right? They begged who? Right? They were begging Christ, but who was it begging? Her friends. Right? Their friends were there and their family and they begged for her. Their job was to, it was to intercede for them. They cared enough to do something about it. The angel of the Lord in the resurrection narrative that we read almost every Sunday immediately tells St. Mary Magdalene to go tell her friends, right? She tells her, go and tell, the angel tells her to go and, and talk to her friends. That the good news, this is the context of our friendship, right? Is that we're supposed to have our conversation around Christ. The words of God are meant to be shared. And the friends here went to great lengths to save their friend. They not only carried this guy to this person's house, but they also broke through someone's house, right? They, they literally broke in, right? They got on top of the roof, they ripped out a hole, and they dropped their friend in, right? They weren't worried about damages, they weren't worried about what people thought, they weren't worried about being sued, right? All they could think of was, we need this guy healed, we can deal with all of that stuff later. The most important thing here is that our friend be, be healed. So do you try and help your friends, or do you stand by and make excuses why you can't? Right? Imagine if, if, if his friends did what we do today. And you know, maybe he's self-conscious about us taking him to Jesus because he looks bad. Right? He's not, he's not in a good place. Maybe he'll, upset, he'll be upset that we have to pay fines for breaking into the person's house. And we don't want to upset him. Right? Like, I, I would help him, but this is what I'm worried about. Maybe he'll think I'm judging him for being ill. Right? Just like we do with everything else. If someone at work goes out for a smoke break and you don't, does that mean you're judging? If that's the standard, then that's ridiculous, right? Is that this, this catchphrase of, I don't want them to think I'm judging? You're either judging them or you're not, okay? So if you're not, then you're not. It doesn't matter if they think you are. If you're judging them, it's wrong, okay? But if you're not judging them, then we do what's right because it's right. We don't do what's wrong because we're worried that somebody will think that I also did a wrong. So, so many people won't do a thing and instead will either join in or be silent. Or even worse, are we participating in making the situation work? Worse, I mean, like the Pharisees, right? So we have, we have different friend groups. The Pharisees should have been friends to these sick people, right? Their, their job was was to help in the leadership of the people, discerning right and wrong, right? So this should have been a group that they should have taken comfort in. Instead, the Pharisees come in and they insist on their own interpretation of things. So much so that they missed the whole point, okay, and then judged God as a blasphemer, right? That was, that was their end result of the thing. It was not, oh, wow, it's really nice that that guy, like, recovered health. They were like, wow, this is blasphemy. That guy said, your sins are forgiven. This is clearly wrong. But where we do this is actually very common. We'll often apply our personal standards and our personal interpretations 
on friends about their illnesses and on our own. Maybe a friend is addicted to alcohol, but you decide it's not that big of a deal yet. Do you even know if it's that big of a deal? On what basis did you decide that? Or is that your personal interpretation um, of whether or not it was, it was a bad idea? Maybe your group of friends that started off doing the right things together is now going astray and you say, it's, you know, maybe it's not the right time because once they start doing this wrong thing, then I'll speak, right? But that's arbitrary, right? You're choosing an arbitrary thing, you're not. You're choosing yourself as the reference or the standard. Maybe your friend smokes and you say, it's the same as coffee to me, right? There's a difference between making excuses for someone Right to say, I can understand why a wrong occurred, is very different from trying to justify a wrong and call it a right. Right, those are two very, very different things. Or when someone says that something is wrong, instead of analyzing what they say using the gospel as a standard, your first response is to call someone judgmental. Right, whatever that means. How can you do nothing? Is the question if you love your brother, if you love your friend. If a friend is going to fall into a ditch, I hope that you yell danger, right? I hope that you don't stand there and say, he hates loud noises, so I'm not gonna yell, right? It would be really uncomfortable. I have a bit of a, a tickly throat. I, I would have, but today is not my day, right? You, you need to yell danger. Otherwise, you are responsible for your friend's injury or death. If your friend isn't slamming the brake and you see a car coming, you would cry out. If your friend might get lung cancer because he smoked, why is it now between him and God? Right? It's one thing for the word to be refused. It's another thing to not care about someone's salvation. If you don't care about their salvation, it means you don't think salvation is a big deal. If you say nothing, it means you don't value it. If you value it, you'll feel the compulsion to do something. I'm not saying the right answer is always to talk at people, but I'm saying you will not be content to do nothing about the situation if you believe it's real. We have duties to one another. This is why we started off with the creation. We are not individual citizens. We are not private citizens of the world. We are one humongous community that God created, and we all need one another. The person on the street getting on the bus is as much your brother and sister as the people in this parish. And so the salvation of every single person should be there. And then finally, because some of us go a little astray with the other extreme, is do you bring them to Christ or do you bring them to yourself? Because the healing of this person was not from the friends. It's Christ that heals. It is Him that is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? The friends didn't try and fix him themselves. They knew that he needed to be taken to the expert, and they could identify the illness, but they were not pretending to offer the solution. Right? Being able to identify an illness doesn't make you the right person to fix it for them, because we often get hung up on this, and sometimes we go to the wrong person for our own healing. Sometimes we go to someone thinking that they should be the one to, to do it. So likewise, in helping our friends, when we voice our concerns, we need to be cautious that we're not giving them from ourselves. But that we teach the truth only, right? We can only say what is objectively true and send people to the person most suited to, to help them. 
It's in God's image and likeness that we are made, and it's the image of God himself that transforms and renews us through the sacraments and through his word. May God, the true physician of our souls and our bodies, heal each of us, and we learn from the friends who worship the truth rather than themselves to look also to the truth and author of our salvation. Glory be to our God forever and ever and to age of ages. Amen.